0: It's another episode of Mother's Ruin.
1: Season 3, episode 4. Here we are. And this week we're going to return to the subject of gin and crime.
0: Yes, so much crime.
1: Yeah, there is so much gin and crime to cover. So this week we're going to talk a bit about highwaymen.
0: A dandy highwayman.
1: Dandy's galore, Matthew. Dandy's galore. Great
0: word, dandy. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And one dandy in particular that we're going to talk a bit about today is Dick Turpin. Um, so that's coming up. Plus, we've got an interview with York Gin, who are going to tell us all about their outlaw gin. Yep. That is inspired by Dick Turpin and some other local Yorkshire characters.
0: Near-dwells, yeah. indeed. Now,
1: Dick Turpin was a Londoner, and most of the activities he engaged in were in and around London. But he escaped to York, was caught in York, and was hung in York. And so there's therefore very close association with York and yep. the man himself. So, um, we're gonna find out a bit more about that. Now, this week, I wanted to give a shout out to Rob at the Cotswolds Distillery. Yes,
0: congratulations for all getting married to yes. your, your, your lovely lady. Yes. Saw the photos, it looked magnificent. You both looked
1: absolutely dapper. Yeah. And uh, we're really pleased for you, so many congratulations to our friend Rob. Um, also, We found out something interesting last
0: week. I was outside a comedy club that I frequent uh, and perform at in Newcastle. And this fella came up and said, oh, can I get a photo with you? Which I'm used to because I'm like, well, famous and (laughs) handsome. And uh, I said, of course. He goes, I can't believe I met you. All my friends in Jersey are massive fans. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Turns out we've got quite a following in Jersey. So if you are from Jersey and you do follow us, do get in touch
1: and if you're the man who met Matt outside the stand comedy club in Newcastle,
0: yes, uh, during the bike race, which was really weird, all of a sudden they just settled a bike race outside through the city, yeah. Um, and took the photo, uh, give us a shout and uh, get in touch so and we, tell you, us
1: more yeah. about this. Um, because we've in the past we have actually tried to find a Jersey gin because we tried a blue bottle gin from yeah, Guernsey, Guernsey, which is one of our yeah, favorites. beautiful
0: gin, such a good gin, stunning.
1: And it did at the time get me thinking, wonder if there's any good gins from Jersey, but scoured the shops, can't find any anywhere.
0: So if you're a a Jersey gin producer, uh, feel free to uh, let us know so we can look out for your gin and and where we might be able to get it.
1: Exactly. What what suppliers in uh, England or Scotland stock Jersey gin? Mm
0: -hmm. And we'll do a tasting on the show. Yes, and uh, we'll... You know, I think I'm I think I'm going over to Jersey soon anyway, so Are come. you
1: doing a gig over there? I think
0: so. Oh cool. I'll check my diary.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so hello Jersey. Hi and, Jersey. Um on with the show.
0: Let let's, shall we?
1: Shall let's we? Let's get down to gin and bloody, bloody crime. Do
0: this. Let's bloody get down to gin and crime.
1: Okay, it's very late at night and excruciatingly hot um, But this episode, we're going to cover this in two halves mm-hmm. Because there's so much to talk about Now, in our last two Gin and Crime episodes We covered murder Do you remember we talked about Jack the Ripper? Yes,
0: we did And uh, that woman that sold our kid's clothes after yes, she killed her, which was despicable.
1: Yes, that's right, Judith DeFore.
0: Judith DeFore, that's her.
1: Yep. Boom. Yeah, and then in part two of Gin and Crime, we talked about prohibition and um, yep. Mister Alphonse Capone.
0: Ali. Or Aldrew, what Aldrew
1: Capone, as Al- you call
0: Al-Ginon.
1: him. Ald <laughs> So this time. <laughs> yes,
0: Aldrew. I remember yeah. oh, that was funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, carry on.
1: So this time we're going to talk a bit about highwaymen.
0: Oh, mm. stand and deliver indeed. Yes. Very romantic crime highway isn't it?
1: Yes, and that's something we're going to cover. So it's been heavily romanticised. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah, they were just bloody thugs, weren't they?
1: Yes, they were thugs.
0: Just because they were dandy. <laughs>
1: yeah, they were they were terrible, terrible people. But gin played a major supporting role, not only in the actual crimes of highwaymen, but in the myth and legend surrounding mm-hmm. highwaymen. Now, Ian Gately, we've talked about Ian Gately before, he's a fantastic writer who's written extensively on the history of tobacco and alcohol. Mm-hmm. But he paints a really grubby but very colourful picture of gin-fuelled crime in 18th century London. hmm So, London was, during the gin craze, a thief's paradise. The highwaymen that stalked the roads leading into the capital were, according to Gately, folk heroes in the eyes of the poor. I see. One famous highwayman operating in London was a a French-born chap called Claude Duval.
0: Claude Duval. Mm. That was never his name.
1: Yep. Uh, He was idolised by the ladies he robbed. Apparently,
0: uh, this doesn't sound racist <laughs> because if there's one thing ladies do like, it's a good old a robbing. robbing. I
1: know, <laughs> um, he once apparently insisted on dancing with one of his victims after robbing her husband of a hundred pounds. And his epitaph reads, Here lies Duval, if male thou art, look to your purse, if female thy heart. So he, yeah, he would steal, steal the ladies' hearts.
0: I want that on my tombstone now. <laughs> <laughs> just means I'm a pickpocket that yeah. <laughs> goes behind your back.
1: Yeah, exactly. But back then it was, you know, there, there was a kind of mythical aura surrounding this kind of character. And Highwaymen inspired the 1728 musical The Beggar's Opera by John Gay, which features a cast of robbers, harlots and ne'er-do-wells. But through these characters, Gay delivers a quite a thinly veiled critique of the establishment. A
0: 1728 musical. Class. Yeah. I don't like the up-to-date ones. Imagine <laughs> how bad that'll be.
1: I bet it would have been a good old good old Cockney knees. good
0: old romp.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the plot's heavily fuelled by gin and some of the characters take it as a so-called medicine which, mm. as we knew at the time, was a polite way to get absolutely plastered yes. on gin um, but while others just unbashfully chug it down throughout the entire plot. you'd need plot.
0: Quite, quite a lot of gin to get through a... a- a musical that was written in 17, years. I
1: bet it was amazing. Do you know, I haven't read it, but I reckon it, I reckon it was a right laugh.
0: Yeah, let's get some of the songs we'll sing them ourselves. Yes, all
1: right, yeah. As a treat. As a treat, yeah. Get the guitar. Get the guitar. <laughs> now, in her essay entitled A Case of Life and Death, Crime and Self-Control in Gin Lane, researcher Judy Stove gives us a further insight into High Women's relationship to Gin. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Stowe, highwaymen would congregate in the gin shops to plan criminal activities, um, you know, trade their stolen goods and, of course, spend the proceeds of their crime on yeah. gin. Still do. <laughs> Still do, yes. And one William Booth, giving evidence against fellow highway robbers in September 1732, says that they frequented Buck's Gin Shop, where we all... <clears throat> Buck's Gin Shop. Don't. Where we all met. There's people listening. This is this is public. People love my voices.
0: Right. Could anyone please get in touch and tell us if you like Sarah's, Sarah's voices, voices or not? So if you could, please let us know. I'd <laughs> very much like to know whether Sarah should stop with the voices or carry on. Carry on. You can do the voice now. All right. So they can judge.
1: They frequented um, <clears throat> Buck's Gin Shop, where we all met and where we used to be night and day.
0: Night.
1: Night and day. Night. But this was so <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> But this was so much the case that in evidence drinking with an accused was code for collaborating with him. Ah right. So the gin shops really were the meeting houses I for like the HQ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, High Women HQ.
0: Naughty itch. Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, the actual gin shop owners were often instrumental in crimes too.
0: The little tinkers.
1: Yeah, so one gin shop owner named Sarah Hewlett Sarah, was... Sarah, typical. Yeah, was apparently a common receiver of stolen goods. Now she sold gin to children without a single qualm and some of these children actually gave evidence against her so um, one George Dawson and a lad named Perkins testified that Sarah Hewlett encouraged them to go a-thieving and lodge them in her house. She would pay them what she pleased for the goods that they brought back to her so um, regardless of what it was worth she would just pay whatever she saw fit. But then, just to add insult to injury, she would make them spend the money on gin and hot pots at her shop.
0: Well, they were getting fed and watered. (laughs) That's all you could hope for in that horrific time of life.
1: So yeah, she's she's basically making them go and work illegally for free. Mm Because she's getting the money that she's giving them. And all they get is a hot pot and some bathtub gin.
0: Yeah, but... I mean, but then what What could the hope for from the workhouses? Well. A beating and some mouldy bread.
1: Very true, very exactly. true. But the sad thing is that the court recorder actually notes that the boys were very little boys of about 12 years of age, as they said, though by their stature, one would have taken them not to be above eight or nine. Oh. I know. So, um, I mean, Hewlett was found guilty in the end and sentenced to a fine and imprisonment. And um, God knows what happened to those poor wee lads. Mm. Hopefully, they went off to a better life, but yes. sadly, I, I doubt it. <laughs> but back to highwaymen. So, to further propagate the myth that they were these, you know, romantic heroes, um, they were expected to die well if caught. So, they'd often dress in white satin for their executions, and the journey from prison to the gallows became almost like a pageant. So they'd walk the short journey in their silks and their finery, maybe stopping off for a gin. Or, as Ian Gately puts it, a few drams of kill me quick at the various gin shops on the way. Even at the scaffold, they might be given some gin. Mm -hmm. And um, the hangman himself would also often be drunk.
0: Sounds like a rape party.
1: I know. Apparently, one uh, hangman was so drunk that he, he accidentally tried to hang the priest who was present to give the condemned man his last rites. <laughs> 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 now the image of this flouncy handsome highwayman is captured in, as you've already mentioned, Ant's 1981
0: hit Stand and Deliver. <laughs> Money are you la- yeah.
1: <laughs> well yeah I watched the video for the purposes of this, um,
0: very poor, isn't it?
1: Terrible <laughs> video. No, I think the, the first scene is he's sitting on a tree branch, waiting for the uh, the carriage to pass, and he comes leaping out of the branch with his with his cape flaring, and he's got this <clears throat> glistening lip gloss on. But to get beneath that facade, let's talk about the most notorious highwayman of all time.
0: Richard Turpin. It is
1: Richard Turpin or Dick Turpin. Now, there's a brilliantly written article on this subject by someone called Steve Jobson and he picks apart all the myths surrounding Dick Turpin. Now he mentions a 1735 account of Dick Turpin by John Wheeler who was a member of the um, infamous Gregory gang who Turpin went around with and he gave evidence against Turpin and the deposition reads Richard Turpin, a butcher by trade, is a tall, fresh coloured man very much marked with smallpox
2: (laughs) A
0: fresh fresh
1: coloured That's what we
0: should get for the living room (laughs) yeah. <laughs> what colour kind of do you want? Fresh. Fresh. That would be nice. I
1: know. I, I don't know what it means. He had a kind of... Ruddy. Ruddy complexion. Ruddy cheeks. Yeah.
0: Like a plaster butcher. Yeah,
1: yes. exactly. Which is apt because he was a butcher's apprentice. Mm. Um, But this is pretty much the only physical description we have of Turpin as he was never actually drawn during his lifetime. Really? Yeah. And I think that... Fact probably helps to further the myth of oh you know he was probably this this handsome man of yeah. great stature, because pictures that were painted of him weren't actually painted from life; they were just artistic interpretations yeah. of what he may have looked like. So
0: someone just like the romanticism and painted them as a some sort of sexier, sexy yeah, bank robber. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. So aside from this less-than-glamorous description of the man, there's also the issue of his crimes. Yes. So far from being a Robin Hood character, you know, stealing surplus finery from the wealthy with a a wink and a smile, (laughs) Turpin, he was a a murderer. Yeah, well,
0: (laughs) it's the end of his romanticism.
1: Now, I believe he... Only murdered one person. I'm not saying that in his defence. <laughs> but I think what happened was he was hiding out and the landlord startled him and he, he panicked and killed him. So, uh, well, you know, he wasn't a serial killer, but he had killed, certainly. He didn't have the worst start in life. He was an Essex boy, um, literate, a butcher's apprentice. But then it seems he fell in with the wrong crowd and you may have guessed where we're going with this.
0: Yeah, he went balling. And going to motorbikes. (laughs) Now it's Greece too. Uh, He liked gin.
1: He liked gin. Gin! There it is, there's gin. Yeah.
0: been a while. (laughs) He did discover, I
1: know, sorry, I did digress a bit, but he did discover a great love of gin and would often be seen in the gin shops of the East End getting plastered and planning naughty deeds
0: rather than butchering
1: yes yeah so he burgled houses and there's one account where where he robs an elderly man's house and humiliates him by pulling down his trousers and thrashing his bear behind um i know it just seems gratuitous and unnecessary
0: <laughs> it certainly does
1: so he was a cruel man but let's not put his bad behavior down to jail no shall we
0: I, i've never thrashed an elderly man's no, bottom you know because you i was plastered.
1: No. And yeah, we're all we're all gin drinkers here, and yeah. I don't think any of us have engaged in such activity. Right. I mean, unless we've it was consensual. <laughs> yeah. consensual. Yeah. But an early biographer of Turpin's pointed out that even while serving as a butcher's apprentice as a very young man, he behaved in a loose and disorderly manner and was frequently guilty of misdemeanours.
0: Sounds like me. Was, yeah. as a youth.
1: Yes. And that was before you developed your taste for gin as well. Yeah. So I think gin comes off Mm, not quite scot-free but no. let's not let's gin, not blame Gin might
0: through. be whispering his ear yeah? exactly Yeah. it yeah. a go say how you feel about it. yeah naughty gin
1: yeah <laughs> But I just wanna talk a bit about his capture because um, even though it's not gin related, it is quite profoundly ironic. So, a family friend named James Smith taught him to write letters um, when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And when Turpin went into hiding in Yorkshire, he wrote to his family asking for their help. Now, by this point, they were sick of his shit (laughs) and they returned the letter to sender. And guess who was in the post office at the very moment when the returned letter was received? Jack the River. No, the old family friend James Smith, who taught him to write, and he of course recognised the handwriting and turned him in. Ah. So Turpin was executed at uh, York in seventeen thirty nine at the age of thirty
0: four. What a grass!
1: Yeah.
0: I killed someone. Yeah, did
1: yeah, and thrashed a poor elderly chap,
0: smashed a poor elderly bottom.
1: Yeah. Now, it's not clear whether Turpin was drunk on gin at the time of his death, but he threw himself off the ladder in a final act of defiance, and his biographer wrote, drunk or not, he made a brave enough exit for a man who had no choice in the matter.
0: I quite like the fact that his death got a review. I know. (laughs) Three stars. (laughs) I know, exactly.
1: But hangings were a form of entertainment back then. I mean, you know, before TV, if you couldn't afford to go to the theatre you'd go and see a public hanging so you know people would probably want to read about it in the press the next day and how did it go and uh, so yeah hence the uh, hence the review but the weird thing about Dick Turpin is that since his death his relationship with gin has only become stronger we often associate Turpin with that kind of gin drinking uh, roguish culture of the 18th century And Marlebone Gin, for example, explains the origin of its name as follows. Marlebone was the fashionable destination to visit, was famed for its pleasure gardens, which were entered into through a tavern situated where Marlebone High Street sits today. The pleasure gardens attracted the glitterati of the day, with the likes of the Prince and Princess of Wales, and even Dick Turpin visiting to enjoy great parties, music games, all, and of course... Gin. So it's interesting there that they, they're kind of... They're putting him in with the glitterati.
0: Yeah, so, like, he was in with the glitterati. Mm. So they knew he was this criminal that did that. Yeah. But no one grasped them in Marleyburn. Mm. But, so that'd be, like, nowadays, like, oh, yeah, yeah, come to come to this nightclub. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, who's over there? Oh, it's just... Uh, that's just the Yorkshire River, don't worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mental, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I know, but then look at look at Al Capone. Yeah. Where he was I suppose, yeah. yeah. He
0: must have been like organised crime of the yes, day, yeah. Rather than just like uh, random
1: creepy Yeah, murderer. you wouldn't get you wouldn't
0: just get in there, hi, some house burglars like uh you wouldn't get all oh, grave robbers or something just going, yeah. Hey, oh, hey, look who it is. It's yeah. Jimmy Steelering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hi.
1: Yeah, exactly. Jimmy Steeler Jimmy
0: Steeler ring. No, uh, that is uh, I wonder what, wonder what his family used to get up there.
1: So Turpin is also said to haunt the Spaniards Inn in London, where his father was apparently a landlord in the 18th century and which he used as a hideout. Now, his ghostly form has been spied in the pub alongside his trusty steed, Black Black
0: Bess. Yeah. Uh,
1: However, it's also haunted by other ghosts, such as a man called Juan, killed in a duel, and a mysterious lady in white.
0: Oh, Mm. there you are. All these ghosts don't exist.
1: Yeah. Well, you never know. Get yourself down to the Spaniards Inn. Have a peep. You never know what you might see. I do. What?
0: Not a ghost.
1: Okay, well, you know. Don't knock it till you've seen it.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it. That's yeah. why I'm not... Oh, yeah. That makes perfect you. sense. More, more sense. You know?
1: Now, we're going to leave the story there for now. But Goodbye, we have, story. We will return with more Gin and Crime next week. But we'll leave you with the thought that what Gin and Mr Turpin have in common is that both of their reputations have softened throughout the centuries. Yes,
0: but Gin didn't murder people. Gin's a drink.
1: Uh, Gin is not not a sentient thing, obviously, but Gin caused a lot of deaths in the 18th century and was seen as the scourge of London, and Madame Geneva was seen as... A, a serial killer. She was characterised as a woman um, who t- took many, many lives as Mr Turpin was merely a, a fiend in human form. Oh, was yeah. a fiend. But Gin and Mr Turpin have both become lovable rogues in the rich tapestry of British history.
0: Yes, they have. Gin being slightly less stabby and muskety.
1: Yes. I not imagine. not quite as muskety.
0: <laughs> not quite as muskety. But uh-huh, that's fascinating man, good old Richard
1: Now it's time for an interview, and this week I spoke with Emma from York Gin. Now we've talked about York Gin on the show before, but what they've now released is a brand new gin called York Gin Outlaw. It's navy strength and it's been inspired by some of the local rogues who have been known to hang about in York where it's produced. So one of these uh, such rogues is Dick Turpin himself. So I spoke to Emma all about the gin, the characters that inspired it and the gin tour that you can now do, which will take you around some of the places in York that have been associated with some of these local characters. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us. So, yeah, do you want to just tell us a bit about York Gin Outlaw and the inspiration behind
3: it? Um, Sure. So we were looking for... I don't know something to celebrate our first year anniversary. So it came out on the first of March this year, and we do get sort of inspired by York's history uh, around here because it's a big historical place. Um, and we wanted to do it. Kind of all came together naturally, really. Uh, we wanted to create an, a, a navy strength gin, so it's a fifty-seven percent gin. So it's a little bit on me, a little bit on the edge, a little bit naughty. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> um, and um some of the inspiration more, and it really was at the beginning just for just for a little bit of fun really to to, to rather than sort of having masses of evidence that that uh, dick turpin or anybody drank masses of gin <laughs> um but uh but york's got a really excellent sort of vanguard of baddies to be honest and um, <laughs> so, so it worked quite nicely and we had we had um so we had you know um Guy Fawkes was born here, obviously, and he was slight just at the beginning of when people would have made gin. I mean, just at the beginning, he may have come across it before he threw himself off the scaffold and broke his neck before he got hanged, drawn, and quartered. (laughs) 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 We like to think he was sitting under the House of Parliament supping something, and it could have been something, you know, 70% ish, who knows. so he's one of the sons of York. Um, right. So, and, you know, he's, he's he's a baddie in some people's minds and, you know. But also a, a bit of a folk hero as well. A bit of a folk hero, yeah, Of because he was born here. So we don't, we don't in York, uh, put a, a guy on the fire. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that Dick Turpin was um, captured and executed
3: at York, wasn't he? He was. Well, he was, he was captured in Beverly, actually, of all places. He, he, was, he was an absolute minx i think is the, <laughs> the nicest way of putting it he was um he's a lot of it's mit- shrouded in sort of folklore mm-hmm. and he's you know he was sort of he was, he was like you know made a kind of a sort of slightly dashing hero in some novels but the, that looks like the evidence was that he was he was quite bad frankly he yeah. was like so he was he wasn't dashing at all he was quite um stocky and covered in smallpox marks he was ugly uh he was part of a gang called um the Gregory gang, which were definitely sort of mutilating people, probably yeah. murdering people. So he was really not great. Uh, but he got caught in Beverley um, when he was running away from, from Essex. That's where he was actually from, from Essex. Um, and he was using a name, um, which was uh, John Palmer. And uh, he, he wasn't called John Palmer. He was called Richard Turkin. And he, and he tried to pretend that he was... Somebody else and wrote a letter and he got caught from like you know like a mundane way of getting caught. He yeah. wasn't caught actually doing anything bad. He was he was caught for horse stealing, do you know what right. I mean? Which was still a hanging offence. So <laughs> he actually got hanged for that rather than the highway robbery. A bit like uh, uh,
1: how Al Capone, I think, went down
3: for tax fraud. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like you really didn't get done for any of your murders, he you got done exactly. for really, really dull, yeah. you know. Um, but but he you know, but yeah, but he got he got hanged in York because um because I think the sort of main court was here. He got done for one thing, but I don't think he was particularly mixed. Missed. No. So <laughs> but he's but he's he's buried here, so we he visited his grave the other day. You can visit his grave in York. Yeah. And uh yeah, so he's, he's 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 quite a fun character to work with on the ground that he's terribly bad. It was more difficult finding female baddies, actually, because all the um all the directors uh, we, we dressed up, I've got some fun pictures, I don't know if you've seen them online. Um all the best have directed up as 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 the baddies. So I've got Harry, who's actually was of St. Peter's old boy, and St. Peter's is where Guy Fawkes went to school so he we he, did ah. so we and York's beautiful so we dressed up and had him in his stove hat by the fire drinking outlaw gin and we had uh, my my other colleague Pete dressed up as dick Turpin and he quite fancied himself in his <laughs> outfit <laughs> but we struggled to find a female most most female criminals of course if you look back historically are quite almost tragic yeah. Is that the, what, what they've been what they've been convicted of are things and these days where you just go well that's straight abuse yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. it's just that was just tra- tragedy, that's poverty. Yeah. However, we did find one, and she's fabulously bad. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Tell me all about her. She- She's Mary Bateman, and and she was she was a notorious sort of a con woman and poisoner. Basically, yeah, she would sell she would sell you anything to sort of make you beautiful, make you rich, make you something, and would be totally laissez faire about what she gave you to eat
2: uh, oh. with it,
3: and ended up poisoning people, um, taking their money, running away. She was hilarious. So she was from West Yorkshire to begin with, but ended up in York right. buying bad trade. Yeah, she was, she was great. So she was um, 18th century. So she was bang on the right level. She would she would definitely have had a gin yeah. In her time.
1: Yeah, so she, so she was selling kind of potions for...
3: Post, yeah, potions ah. for, you know, yeah, yeah, tricking your lover back or, you know what I mean, or, you, wow. Know, wow. you know, really being quite naughty, yeah. frankly, and some, some, something to do with chickens, but I can't remember <laughs> what it was. <laughs> well, I'll have but to I, look, I, look into oh, that now. She painted, she'd paint um, prophecies on their eggs and shove them back up the chicken, and then the chicken would wow. lay the prophecy.
1: <laughs> wow she really had no no scruples no, well. no but i mean yeah. full marks for creativity there
3: no bless her apparently she was still trying to she was still trying to diddle people while she was waiting for the hangman's nose in jail wow. so was just, she was incorrigible so yeah. she was quite good fun yeah. <laughs> amazing so she died so, in york in the in the female prison on right. the little spot. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah and so so have you you've got a tour of you that's that's yeah, associated with the gin yeah
3: Exactly so, so actually the, you've had a lot of help from, um, her name's Alicia, uh, but she's known as Mad Alice <laughs> here, um, and she's, she's a, a, an award-winning tour guide in, uh, in York, so she does a called The Bloody Tour, where she takes around, and so York's got a fantastically bloody past mm. from, from Romans and Vikings onwards, some dred- dreadful things have happened here as well as wonderful things, <laughs> yeah. um, and, but she's sort of tailored, the, tailored the, the tour, so we you go and have stories about the outlaws of York. Uh, walking around, showing where they, you know, where they died, where they ate, where they drank, and in in, in individual, in when you stop, you stop at a stop at a tavern mm-hmm. and you have a York Gin as part of part of your experience. So it's uh it's great fun. Brilliant. Um, and yeah. she's yeah she's definitely worth a visit if you ever come to york
1: absolutely yeah 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 so um so tell us a bit more you've, you've said that this is a navy strength gin so it packs quite a punch
3: it does pack like a punch it's beautiful though so it's 57 yeah. percent, which is sort of it's not the strongest navy strength you'll ever have um but it's uh, we double distill it so they actually use the gin as the base as well um, rather than just the MGS. Um and we uh, upped the botanicals a little bit and we're very proud that it won a double gold at San Francisco in early part so of this year. So congratulations. Heard. So those outlaws have got something going for them. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We were, we were really chuffed. So it's a, it's a beautiful, really smooth gin actually. So yes, it's a deceptive. Yeah. Like, Long. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so, what what kind of botanicals lead the way then with this gin? Oh, it,
3: it's a it's a big fat juniper on this one, it but it, yeah. <laughs> but it really but it really is beautiful. Um, it's so it's actually the same nine botanicals that we we've used in our in our classic London dry. Yep. Um, it wasn't broken, why fix it? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Is that one of those things really? Absolutely. But it, it it's the double distillation that really gets it. And I think um once you've got really high quality ingredients, you can take it. Not you don't have to dilute it much. You yeah. know what I mean. It makes it. It's a smooth experience. Indeed, we yeah. just say serve with a tonic um, ice and care <laughs> moderation. <laughs> people who you're dealing with you know Yeah,
1: i just love the way that gin has got a bit of an underground reputation and i think this kind of thing it's a perfect example of how gin is it's seen as a very respectable drink these days compared to um, it maybe was back then yeah, but exactly. it's still got that little edge to it, it and i really like it
3: that. it's got that edge i know i mean we, we just like we just launched an old tom as well but we you know we definitely got a, a person new lined up to to sort of build into our shop and you know what i mean everyone just loves the stories of you know illegally purchasing gin and things like that. So it's, it's Oh,
1: the old Captain Dudley Bradstreet. Yeah. Oh amazing. Oh well, we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more about that for sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: It is good fun. It, it it's been it's been lovely to us having the access to sort of you know, yeah, the access to history just to give you some inspiration really do you know what i mean it, because york tells you what to do
1: it's just a treasure chest of of fascinating his, history isn't it york exactly. and everyone yeah. likes
3: a story do you know yes. what I mean? it's like you know there's only so many cocktails you can do apart from yeah tell us tell us something about the gin and tell us why do you yeah. know what I mean? and it, then you've got then you've got a great excuse for sharing all sorts of interesting tales
1: yeah so this tour that, that's going on is that running indefinitely or it is yeah,
3: yeah. it is it, i think you can either you can either contact the bloody tour mm. and uh, get some private bookings or she's running them every month or something or a couple of times a month i think yeah. um you can just just book on yeah. and yeah it's going indefinitely definitely because it's good fun it's great fun for us um people get to see taverns and places around york that you wouldn't normally see as you're wandering, if you're wandering around as a, a visitor to york you often don't know the back alleys and you know yeah. all the sort of di- different pubs and even locals who've been on it said oh i've never been to that pub i've never i've never would have thought of going in there before yeah. because uh Because Mad Alice knows everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's got some really interesting places to go. And so the one we go, one of the places that we go, um, it's uh, actually got... uh, sort of hooks and ropes all over the wall and it actually was a place that used to make the hangman's ropes do you know what I mean so oh, you, know, right. just that, you know so the ropes that would have hanged um turpin were wow. made there and you could have your gin have your outlaw looking at the ropes
1: fascinating and you'd never know you'd never know otherwise so really yeah. bringing it to life well thank you so much that's been really really interesting well, you're welcome <laughs> News headlines today: Topography meets mixology. Two spirit experts publish world atlas of gin. Stretches with a twist. Nottingham pub to host gin yoga class. And p and p gin could be the drink of the future. Now, topography meets mixology. Two spirit experts Joel Harris and Neil Ridley will release a new book entitled The World Atlas of Gin this September. The book takes us on a round-the-world tour of the best gins from every country, from small-batch distillers to larger-scale producers. It'll also trace gin's history in every corner of the world, delve into the production processes, and shed some light on the best-known gin cocktails. The book's publisher, Octopus, said, this is the definitive guide for everyone and anyone who wants to understand more about gin, its history and production methods, the countries that have helped make it a global success story and appreciate the best gins the world has to offer. Now, this is the third book from the pair that previously brought us the fantastic Distilled and Straight Up, so look out for the hardback edition which should be hitting shelves this autumn, just in time for Christmas. Now, stretches with a twist. Nottingham pub to host gin yoga class. Now in what may be the most hipster move of all time, a Nottingham pub is hosting a gin yoga session for its customers. Following the success of their recent beer yoga event, the Bunkers Hill pub will be opening its doors to lycra-clad gin lovers on August the 11th. But there are only 25 places, so you may have to bend over backwards to get yourself a ticket. Now the event, which is literally a yoga class with added gin. It's taking place in celebration of Gordon's 250th anniversary. Spokesman for the pub Mark Gallagher said, we were so overwhelmed by the interest in the beer yoga classes we arranged to coincide with the Nottingham Craft Beer Week back in June, we were looking for an excuse to do something else. Well, Mark, there's no better excuse than the big G's birthday. So good luck to you and happy birthday to Gordon's. Now, p and t, pea gin could be the drink of the future. A Scottish distillery has found a unique way of reducing their environmental footprint by making gin from peas. Kirsty Black, master distiller at Arbourkey Distillery in Scotland, told Inside Science. The base spirit can be made from any agricultural raw material, but as it's distilled to a very high alcohol level and purity, the raw material shouldn't greatly impact the final taste of the gin once it's been flavoured with botanicals. So, together with a team of environmental scientists, Black has been testing whether distilling gin from dried and milled peas is more sustainable than using wheat. Apparently, legumes fix nitrogen in the atmosphere which reduces the need for synthetic nitrogen fertilisers and a life cycle analysis found that one litre of gin made from peas offered a 12% reduction in the contribution to global warming 15% less resource depletion and 68% less nitrogen air pollution though it did require twice as much land to grow the peas because of lower yields Another benefit of this production method is the fact that leftover waste products contain twice as much protein as those from wheat, and this means it can be turned into animal feed which could reduce the need to import soybeans from South America to the UK. Now it's not yet available to buy and further research is being carried out on the viability of the product but we could see it on our shelves soon and maybe pea gin will be what we're all drinking in 10 years time. you may have noticed that I'm flying solo today, um, which is probably why we got through a pee related news item without a single urine joke. So, uh, Matt, we do miss you. Come back soon. Uh, for now, that is today's G News. Right, we're going to do a tasting now and aptly for this episode, it's York Gin Outlaw. We've spoken to Emma from York Gin today and she's very kind to send us us a... Sample to try. Now, Mr. Reed is not here today, but we've got a very special guest I'm very excited about, and then Sophia Hull. Hi, Sophia. Hi there. <laughs> so, um you have a bit of a background in cocktail making, haven't you?
2: I do. It was a long time ago. I now do different things, but I did uh, work as a cocktail bartender. I went to bar school in London. Um, and that was very much part of my life um, for a while I still like to mix cocktails occasionally but obviously not as much as I you're, as I used to you've
1: moved on to tattoo you're a tattoo artist now I oh, am yeah, well, I'm yeah. a
2: tattooist now I've yeah. got two small children which doesn't yeah. go hand in hand with cocktail making like, <laughs> like it used to but um, get them shaking I know I should actually yeah it's never too young they'd certainly like to um, steal my um, lemon slices from oh, the okay. gin and tonic glasses yep. and they're only five and seven so it's a, it's a good start yeah
1: okay so um you are you've kindly stepped in to help us um appraise this lovely gin
2: kindly offering my services Yes,
1: so i'm gonna ask you to well actually i'll
2: ask you to have a sniff first see what you think yeah there's there's definitely something quite sweet there can can you tell
1: it's a navy strength from the smell i mean this is no i wouldn't i wouldn't be
2: able to tell this i've smelt the plymouth navy strength which is one of the first navy strength um gins that i've smelt and tasted and that kind of blows your head off when you when you smell this but this is yeah it's actually it's like gentle surprisingly gentle um smell it's quite sweet it's got a kind of seedery smell to it and i don't know if i'm imagining it but kind of um slight spiciness but in a kind of leather way mm. that makes sense i use the word um medieval medieval um, i like it yeah it's definitely unusual yeah and, and in a very nice way I'm, I'd, I'm looking forward to trying that
1: so you can maybe smell the leather of um the saddle of dick turpin's Horse, yes, that's what I think I you're going to
2: Yes, I think there is something to be said there. Yeah, I'm definitely getting highwaymen and, and <laughs> horses, yeah, and bridles and saddle soap, and yeah, know, that kind of thing.
1: All right, well, this apparently, according to Emma from York Gin, you'd be surprised at how smooth this gin is. So let's see if it lives up to its reputation. Um, do you want to try it neat first? Yes, yeah. yeah, there you go. I will. Obviously, the ice
2: cube will kind of take the edge off the um.
1: Yeah, the single Um, ice cube. Sorry, I've
2: I've literally only got one ice cube. Oh, no, that's not a bad thing, but it will take the edge off, I think, the kind of of really alcohol taste that might be there. Yeah, I think now I've tasted it, I can taste the fact that it's got its navy strength. It definitely has more of a kind of... Punch. Yeah, Yeah. punch is a good word for it, but there's still a creaminess. There's still a slight creaminess, which is unusual. Yeah. Um yes definitely creamy rather than than fresh but with like a, at the same time i can definitely taste a kind of i don't know almost cedary and rosemary so the smells you were getting they have they have come through in the uh yeah in the taste yeah yeah definitely and even probably more creamy the taste and more creaminess is coming through with the taste rather than the smell that yeah a little bit at the beginning and there is the sweetness the sweetness is still there yeah mm. so it's definitely a sweeter gin rather than like a savory gin
1: Sadly, I've got a migraine, so I can't taste it. I know I I'm actually really devastated. You, yeah,
2: I'm supporting you. As <laughs> you are, like so your, like you're, you're being very supportive. This, stepping in for you. For yeah. you. <laughs> Do you want to try it with a splash of tonic? I've got your fever tree here. Of course. Yeah, Nothing can't go else. wrong. I'll let you put your own in. I don't know what your proportions are. Well, I'll start off with not very much. Yeah. Um, because I think if you've got a flavoured... Well, if you've got uh, anything... Over a standard gin, I think it's um, putting a whole can of tonic is going to take Drown away it lot out. Of the taste. It's better yeah. to kind of split the drink up in a way. Mm. It's very smooth. Is it? And it is still. It's cre- it is still creamy. God, I
1: want to try this gin. This is like torture. It's you're making it sound amazing.
2: <clears throat> it slightly reminds me of some clotted cream gin that I had. Not quite as intense as that. Um, so but how... there's something about it, and yeah. know you'd, you'd wonder how on earth could you have a clotted yeah. cream gin? And it was clear, it was wow, um, you know, as you'd expect a gin to look like, yeah, but yeah, very. But I think this one's far more of a, a crowd pleaser, but smooth and creamy. You, in a sense, you can tell that it's higher, yeah. ABV in taste but it's not an offensive it's yeah. not like oh it's not like Plymouth yes which is a bit much for me yeah yeah I think this is this is a very nice gin okay so it's a winner yeah mm. I think you'd have to be careful not to
1: overdo it it actually says on the bottle enjoy with care <laughs> mm.
2: quite right I think yeah you could easily sort of assume that that was um you know a couple of singles of those I might be feeling it a little bit how would you would you put this in a cocktail that's a tricky one, because it's, it's definitely... I wouldn't say it was a savoury gin, and therefore I wouldn't really want to see it in a gin martini. Mm. It's too creamy for that. Mm. There are some sweeter, well, more citrusy, fresher gins that would work well in martini, and savoury ones, of course, but this one won't really fit either way, mm. I don't think. Um, I think this could be one to have on its own or a small amount of tonic, really. I yeah. think as soon as you go down the route of making more elaborate cocktails you're going to um there's no point using a premium gin like this because it will just be lost immediately under the um sugar um syrups and gums and and the acidity of lemon juice or lime juice um so yeah i would never bother using anything other than kind of standard gin for cocktails unless it was a martini and this for me is probably not a martini yeah
1: so what would you say is what makes the perfect martini
2: Well, again, it depends on what kind of martini you're going for. If you're going for a dry martini, then you'd want something, um, you know, you can get away with something um, a little herbal and botanically, um, but ideally one that's heavy on the citrus aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, And with a a more of a wet martini or a dirty martini, then the savoury gins flavoured with... um, celery and things like that and seaweed are going to do really really well and Mm -hmm. they'll really like sing and shine and the Mm. brine will really you know as you can imagine brine from um olives matched with a seaweed gin is just a match made in heaven it's going to work really really well so a bit of you
1: were you were drinking isle of harris earlier the isle of harris gin yes
2: that was super nice and i would definitely put that in a uh Um, a martini with um, a dirty martini with some brine from the tin of olives and you know if you're being really fancy you'd go for a James Dean which is the three olives on a stick right just one right yeah Um, and I think that could handle um, it even being a wet martini where you go um, you have more um, vermouth in it than you usually would For a dry one, I think it could handle that. Kind of balances out the saltiness. Just having that slight extra boost from the from the vermouth. Up to half an ounce would be reasonable if you're if you're making one. Okay, so Bloody Mary. Mm. Can you make a Bloody Mary with gin? Yes you can. The name escapes me. It's not called it's called a something Ah
1: Red Snapper. Red Snapper. So okay, so you're gonna make a red snapper?
2: Yes talk me through the perfect red snapper and what gin you would choose to go in it oh well ideally i would choose a smoked gin every time interesting yeah i've um, never had a smoked gin before. i have can't remember what it's called okay i'm sure if you guys all google it you'll yeah. find smoked gin um alternatively using a celery gin it's hmm. really obvious again i can't remember the name of the celery gin that i tried i failed to purchase it from a gin festival i went to um, but it does exist and it's absolutely superb. One that I can recommend, I don't know whether you bought that when you came up to West Kirby, was the Dark Side of the Moon, which is made in the West no, Kirby distillery in the northwest ah. on the Wirral Peninsula. Um, and to make your red snapper or Bloody Mary if you insist on doing it on yeah. there, but you know, I wouldn't understand why. No, um, so you'll start off with, um, you don't need to use a, a shaker um, with this one. Um just so, a stirrer. Yeah, just a mm. stirrer. Um so you don't need loads of fancy equipment. A long teaspoon will, will do mm. and, a, and a jigger to measure. Yeah. Or not if you're not interested <laughs> in measuring quantities. But ideally you're yeah. looking at two ounces of your um which is the double shot measure or fifty mil um of um your smoked gin um over ice um and then you're gonna top it up with a really good quality Tomato um, juice by Tom's, Um, they're very good. And then the key is ideally adding a touch of beef consomme if you have any lying around. Really? Vegetarian, obviously not, but if you are a meat eater, dash of that, super nice. Worcester sauce, lime juice, brown sugar, all of these things are needed to balance it before you start getting into the obvious of celery, salt, black pepper, and Tabasco sauce Mm -hmm. according to taste. But it's important to add your. Lime juice for acidity and important to balance that with some sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be agave syrup. It could be, um, you know, gum syrup um, or, you know, anything like that. If you've got brine from olives lying around, chuck that in as well. Mm-hmm. That can add a nice dimension. And then classically a stick of um, celery oh my and a lemon wedge.
1: I had no idea that a Bloody Mary was so complicated well it's
2: not really once you make it once it's just a little dash of this you can make it to taste yeah but balancing the flavors is important and it does go to a new level as soon as you add the sweetness um of some kind of sugar syrup um and um lime or lemon juice ideally lime in Canada they have they use clamato juice oh, right. um, for their Bloody Marys. What's that? And I'm not even sure if they call them Bloody Marys. I think they may have a different name from it. It's been a long time since I lived over there, but clamato juice is drum roll, mashed clams what? and tomato juice what? mixed together and it's really popular. And they sell it in all the supermarkets. You can even get it from petrol stations. You will probably find a bottle of clamato juice in the fridge to buy along with your Coca Cola, your Pepsi, and so on. That's crazy. Yeah, and they'll (laughs) often add. They'll probably garnish that drink with a giant shrimp um, covered in cayenne pepper, hanging over the side of your glass, Um, along with the celery and the lemon. Well, and have you tried this Yeah, tomato? of course I have. Is it good? It's delicious. Is it? Yeah, it's kind of, it tastes, you know, very tomato y. Yeah. But there's like a weird meaty, fishy meatiness mm. to it, <laughs> which <laughs> sounds <laughs> disgusting, but it's really popular in Canada. So, yeah,
1: you know. Wow. If, Amazing. You, if you're able
2: to purchase it in the UK yeah. at any point, um, I would say give it a go. If you know someone over to Canada, uh, going to Canada, tell them to bring some back with them if you yeah. can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, well, Maybe I'm not you. I'm a, yeah, that would kill you. But yes, if you don't have a shellfish allergy, yeah, go and try <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> um, okay, what's your favorite cocktail? Oh, I love a
2: Singapore sling mm-hmm. and I love aviators. Um, What's an aviator? Aviator is uh, made with palmer A long story, um, short, because I can't remember the exact measurements, but it's a mix of uh, palmer violet liqueur and gin and lemon juice and some kind of sugar, I think gum syrup perhaps. Um, it's roughly along those lines. It's mirrored in the Singapore sling, which is made with cherry brandy and gin and sugar and lemon juice and topped up with soda water um and that kind of pattern of gin and lemon and sugar <laughs> is yeah. a very nice thing especially when you've got the cherry or the floral aspect mm. in the aviator of the Palmer of violets yeah. it's just absolutely divine oh, it um, and it's quite short and it's delicious it goes down very easily too easily
1: mm, by the sound of it's it
2: really really good
1: right well thank you very much sophia that's been brilliant and well done to york gin for passing the expert test today oh thank you so much <laughs> I'm such an expert
2: expert such an expert <laughs>
1: Okay, so Mr. Reed is now back from his travels. He's been in Manchester doing a gig.
0: Yes, I was in Manchester drinking a lot of Didsbury gin.
1: Didsbury gin?
0: Delicious. Mm. Really good. Yeah, I, I had the option of quite a few gins at the comedy store, uh, but Didsbury gin... <laughs>
1: Didsbury Gin, they went on Dragon's Den, didn't they? I
0: think they did, yes. And they got
1: an investment from the Dragons. Oh,
0: it's, it's, it's really nice. I got offered the flavoured one, but I wasn't in the mood for flavoured no, gins this weekend. No. So I just had a lovely crisp at uh, Didsbury Gin. I really enjoyed that. Mm. Really enjoyed it.
1: Well, we did try and get them on the show for a chat, but uh, we haven't managed to do that yet. Do you no. want us to get back in touch with those lads?
0: Yes, uh, Didsbury Gin, what are you thinking? Get Come in touch. Now. Come More on lads. now. Come on, let's get this sorted.
1: Yeah. Um, anything else in Manchester that you tried?
0: Um, no, that was it. It was oh. just it was, uh, There was about seven gins in the Comedy Store and uh, it was all about the Didsbury. Was Because once I tried that one, I'll have that one this yeah. weekend, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: I should probably not have a weekend gin.
1: <laughs> no, do you, to, do you want to try this York gin? Because you weren't here for the tasting.
0: Okay, better be nice. Have a sniff. Mmm. Oh, it smells delightful. Mmm. Mmm. Mm, there's a cardamomy in that as well.
1: Have a taste and see what you can taste in it. Strength. Yeah, it's it's navy strength. It
0: certainly is. Bit of lavzwani poos, mm-hmm. bit of lavender there.
1: Now Sophia said creamy. Yeah, Are it
0: is. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. It's, it's it is a bit uh, it's a lot smoother. It's got a ooh, it's got a tingle to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's strong.
1: Seal of approval. Yes, oh so it's it's Good. nice
0: so it is, it's got a nice um ooh, it's got like a it's got a citrusy aftertaste, like but when if if you <laughs> You know if you're in a clean house and you breathe in? Yes. And it's like all citrusy. Absolutely.
1: Well, I'm glad you like it. Uh, It seems you and Sophia agree Mm -hmm. on that. So... Yeah, thanks to Sophia
0: for uh, uh, filling in for us. Well, yes,
1: for being our uh, our substitute super taster.
0: Yes, she yeah. was, uh excellent work. Yeah, excellent work.
1: Um, now, before we go, we've had a recommendation from one of our listeners, G Stub Nikki, on Instagram. So, thank you for this. They're over in Australia, but have just had a taste of Glendalock Gin, mm-hmm. which is apparently absolutely incredible and thought we might dig it. So we'll have to give that a try. It's an Irish gin um, and I've been having a look at the reviews. It's got some outstanding reviews and it's based in the Wicklow Mountains. So thank you very much for that recommendation. We'll have to try and get hold of some of that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Mm.
0: Sounds delicious. Well, that's another recommendation. because so many gins to try. I
1: know, so many to try.
0: Uh, but if you are a gin distiller, don't, uh, don't be shy from recommending your one and uh, yeah. let us know what you're doing. And uh, also... Jersey let us know what's happening
1: yes please do we really want to try Jersey Gin now Uh, so that's it for another episode of Mother's Ruin hope you've enjoyed it we'll be back next time for part two no part two of part three of Gin and Crime yes
0: It's (laughs) it's getting complex now. it is
1: getting complex now but we're going to delve deeper into some crime capers next week
0: was that an attempt at spook spooky voice? Yeah. Crime capers! Crime
1: capers! <laughs>
0: okay. yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> Sorry about that, people. Don't let that put you off. I do apologise.
1: We will see you then. Goodbye.
0: Mother's Room podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dudley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz
2: Cotier.